Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hot Happy Mess Celebrate your magic in the middle of life's messes Hot Happy Mess I'm Zuri Hall and this is Hot Hot Happy Happy. Mess Oh, shoot (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome back What's up? Hello, I'm Zuri Hall, and this is How Happy Mess. And I am dreading, <laughs> not this conversation, I dread this topic, which is why we have to have this conversation, because it's so important, because none of us want to go to jail. We're going to talk about taxes, okay? But before we do that, how are you doing? How you feeling? I hope you're well. Sending you some love, some light, some good vibes to start your week off if you're listening to this the day the episode drops. Um, And now we're going to step into a conversation that needn't be so stressful, that shouldn't get your blood pressure elevated, but might up until this point. It's certainly one that used to stress me out and get me very anxious. Taxes. Are you ready for tax season? If you're like me, I don't start thinking about my taxes until a week before the deadline. But... I have an amazing team (laughs) who helps me with that. And um, it is not lost on me that that in itself is is a privilege, but it has certainly been a big help in helping me get my life together. uh, Because as we are on these roads, these paths, right, to financial wellness, financial literacy, I realized I had to stop, you know, pulling the ostrich move and just sticking my head in the sand because that's how I was for the longest. Like I, I would just push things back. I would miss deadlines. I would forget. I would, you know, pay stuff and it would be so late that I'd have crazy interest. And I'm talking about like my young days, like early twenties, you guys have heard some of my, my journey to financial literacy and wellness and my road to building wealth. And and that's the thing that we've talked about on this uh, podcast, something that I want for everyone that I want for you, that I want for the people in my life. And taxes are a big part of that. Um, So I finally started to get it together. 
I'm, I'm staying on top of the deadlines. I've got an awesome business manager um, and accountant who helps with, with all of that stuff. And there are options and resources. Maybe you can't do that, but there are certainly uh, tools and uh, firms that can help you in a way that makes sense for your life. And we're going to get into that today, okay? I'm sure you've heard about the Great Resignation. Uh, all these articles are popping up with people who, honestly... They're burnt out, right? And I started Hot Happy Mess. And my my slogan, my vision for the show is best life minus the burnout. And the last couple of years, because of the pandemic, has proven people are tired. Like people are burnt out. They don't have much to show for it. They're not spending time with their family and friends. Like we're tired. And so people are quitting their jobs and starting their own businesses. And because of that, it got me thinking, you know, there's so many new entrepreneurs out here, so many people who are starting side hustles. You may be one of them and you're trying to figure out taxes. Now you're not just trying to figure it out as an individual or a mother or a father, a parent, a a spouse. Uh, You're trying to figure it out as a business person, which is why I am so happy that I have Keela Hill Trawick. She's joining me today to share tools to navigate your taxes and tax season, write-offs, help you get these deductibles, okay, save some of these coins, um, and also help you figure out which coins you really need to turn over so you can stay out of prison, okay? Awesome. Take a listen. She is shedding amazing light on ways that you can avoid costly mistakes. Here's Keela. Keela Hill-Trawick is the founder and principal of Little Fish Accounting, which is a boutique CPA firm dedicated to the accounting and tax needs of service providers and small online business owners. In addition, she's the co-founder of Accountants of Color, which is a safe space for BIPOC accountants to engage, grow, and build their firms. Now, Keela also donates her time and support to various charitable organizations, including service on the boards of Brown Girls Do, Inc. and All Options. Keela, what don't you do? <laughs> I'm surprised that I have enough time to do all of those things, but I'm excited to be a part of all of them. Yeah, well, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. So thank you for making time for Hot Happy Mess. Also, you know, we're we're preparing for tax season, which is the dreaded season of seasons for someone like me. Like I'm not a numbers person. My business manager has to hunt me down. Like I owe him money. (laughs) Back season rolls around because it just is so overwhelming for me. Um, So I want to dive into, you know, how we can prepare the dates we need to keep in mind, tools that folks who are listening can use um, and key deductibles that entrepreneurs often forget. Because as I've started my journey as technically um, an independent contractor often and have my own business, small business technically, I'm realizing there's so much money that I lost out on for the years that I didn't realize I could deduct it. So hopefully this helps some of the side hustlers, some of the full-time entrepreneurs. Um, Let's just kick it off with how you got into this field. Like why accounting? Why numbers? Yeah, it's funny because I tried to leave accounting several times. Like I <laughs> went to school, I changed my major a million times. And then to graduate on time, I was like, okay, I'll go to accounting because I made an A in my first accounting class. I could do this. You would always have a job in it. It's fine. Yeah. And then I graduated and probably like most people in a variety of areas, realized that the way you learned it in school is not what you actually do in real life. Right. I was like, I hate this. It's boring. I was working in corporate. So I went back for my MBA with um, a marketing concentration and thought I was going to move into marketing, get into this marketing department. And they're like, oh, you have an accounting background? We'll make you the accountant for the marketing oh, department. So okay. I was like, okay. <laughs> At the time I was living in Atlanta, uh, which is where I'm from. And I ended up 
being ready to leave and wanted to move to DC. And the easiest way to do that was to go into federal government, have an accounting background. I was like, I'll just do that. So it was kind of like this in and out. And eventually I got to a place where I'm a person that doesn't keep a job for more than like two years. Mm -hmm. I was just ready to do something else. And my husband said, I don't think you need a new job. You need a hobby. Like Mm -hmm. you just need something to do that doesn't have to be your passion at work. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I had a lot of friends who were leaving their jobs, who were going into consulting or for themselves. And they all basically had the same problem, which was, I just want to do the thing that I get paid to do. I don't want to have to worry about these numbers and these taxes and this bookkeeping. I just want to do coaching or take photos or do events. Like, I don't want to worry about this back end. So that's kind of how I started was just helping people that I knew. Um, I had a friend that kind of pushed me and was like, there's a lot of people that need this. You can make a business. And I remember laughing and saying, you know how much money I'm making my job? I'm not <laughs> quitting my job. Like, I'll just do this right? on the side and see what happens. But a year later, I quit and went full time. And so now we're in our fourth year. Wow. Wow. And Little Fish, by the way, I love the name of the company. Uh, what's the story <laughs> behind that? How did Little Fish Accounting come to be? What's that significance? Yeah. I mean, it was a play on Little Fish and a Big Pond. I knew very early on that I wanted to make sure that we service kind of the smallest of small businesses. A lot of, you know, freelancers, one and two person businesses tend to be, uh, the least resource. Mm. And so I knew that I wanted to create a place where if you were the only person and you had a couple of contractors, you didn't have to make a million dollars in order to know what you were supposed to do about your accounting Mm -hmm. and taxes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, when people think of, you know, taxes and accounting, normally it's like the old school ledger. It just seems so overwhelming and archaic. You've got like a, a freaking tower full of papers on a desk and it's just in a calculator and like a pencil, like a number two pencil. Right. Um, I would love if you could share some tools that you've um, discovered that you rely on that help simplify the process. And even just before that, uh, obviously, we're, we're kind of focusing on entrepreneurs, maybe small businesses. But I would assume these takeaways, some of them could be applicable to, you know, your average person who might just be preparing for tax season, right? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the big things that people miss when they're kind of scared of taxes is really it's more important that you're organized than that you're good at math. Mm -hmm. So like if you have the paperwork in order, a lot of the things that people end up getting worried about that they're like, what if I do this wrong? Or what if I, you know, am not compliant in some way? First of all, let me back up. (laughs) The IRS is not trying to send y'all to jail. Like I get so many. (laughs) We get so many applications where it's it's like, what are you looking to get out of your service? And they're like, I just don't want to go to jail. I'm like, hey, <laughs> the IRS is not looking for us. Yeah. They're looking for fraud. And so just know that kind of the consequence of if you do something wrong, you're probably going to get a letter. You might have like a penalty, mm-hmm. but nobody's trying to come take your house or your life if you mess up on your taxes. So it's a lot lower stakes than people give it. Okay. Um, <laughs> a sigh of relief. That's good to know. Cause I thought they were coming for me a couple of times, Keila. I just, I got the envelope and I was like, what did I do? What, what? Listen, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the other thing. I'm like, the IRS is going to send you a lot of letters before they try to come to your house. Mm-hmm. So your first letter is, Hey, 
we noticed that <laughs> some of the stuff you said don't match up with what we said. Right. So could you like explain this? <laughs> um, but the people that you see like getting locked up, they got they had a lot of steps. Right, because they did like follow the right them. now. Yeah. We can just keep it all the way real. Exactly. <laughs> Zero to a hundred in my mind. Yeah, exactly. And what ends up happening too is that that's what the media is gonna play up. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna tell you that you know, somebody got two letters and ended up paying it off. They're going to tell you about the person that got a year and a half behind bars. So most of us do not make enough money for them to be chasing us down like that. Um, (laughs) So yeah, you're not going to jail. Um, And then the second thing is know that taxes are year round. And this is specifically for small business owners that I think get caught up in like this rush, which is what a lot of people do. February comes around, they're like, oh crap, I got to get all of my paperwork together. Mm-hmm. And the goal is like, track your income and expenses throughout the year, use an accounting system. So usually we recommend QuickBooks, but any one of them that can connect to your business bank account and pull the stuff out, if you can do that on an ongoing basis, that's a lot less work for you by the time you get to tax time. Um, and then your forms, this sounds super simple. But if you get an IRS form, not an IRS form, but like a government form. So whether it's your W-2 or your 1099, put it online in some kind of online storage system. So if that's Dropbox or Google Drive, just put it all in a folder called tax forms. Because what usually ends up happening is we get to tax time and people are like, they sent me a thing like two months ago and I set it on my kitchen counter. Yep. And... Hopefully nobody, I don't even remember what it said. I think it might've been from the state. It's like, just take a picture of it and put it online so that by the time you have to get your taxes done, you can essentially say, here, tax preparer, here's all the stuff that I've gotten and they can read through it. I love that because I am the queen of a kitchen counter drop off and I will never look (laughs) like I just, like there's so much unopened mail. And also you just emotionally, it's so charged for me and a lot of people too, right? You see it and you just automatically go into the headspace that I can't deal with this right now. Like I already know what it means. It's something to do with numbers, taxes, whatever. I'll handle it later. You never do. The envelope gets lost. And then inevitably, you know, my accountant is like, yo, it's time to file. And I'm like, right. So about everything that you need that I don't have. So I love that idea of taking a picture to upload in the moment. It's so easy. You can just kind of set it and forget it. And remember that you have help. If you have an accountant or a tax preparer and you get a letter, send that letter to them Mm -hmm. and say, hey, is there something that I need to do with this? They'll be able to parse through a lot faster than most people will to say, oh, they're just letting you know that they had to adjust this thing or this is something that we actually need to respond to. Mm -hmm. But don't take it all on yourself when you've hired professional help. Right, right. Uh, You mentioned QuickBooks as the the recommended software. Is that across the board? Are there any other tools or resources that can help people uh, sort of navigate tax season, especially the entrepreneurs or the the self-starters, people who might want to get a side hustle off the ground? Yeah, so QuickBooks isn't the only way. You've got like FreshBooks and Zero. Um, part of the reason that we recommend QuickBooks is because it integrates really well with other software. Mm-hmm. So if you sell items and you're using something like a Shopify, QuickBooks and Shopify will talk to each other so that you don't have to manually get that information from one place to another. Mm-hmm. Really, what's important to me, though, is that you get out of using like a spreadsheet for a couple reasons. The first reason is you're going to forget. You're going to go to New York for the weekend for business. You're going to come back and get all caught up. And then all the money that you spent while you were up there, you're not going to remember that you spent. Um, The second reason is because it makes 
So let's say you want to apply for a grant or a loan or something like that. Usually they're going to ask for financial statements. You don't want to have to make those from scratch. And so if you're already using some type of online accounting system and a $10,000 grant is like, we need a P&L from you, you can hit a button and give it to them and not feel like you're almost going to miss the deadline because you don't have, again, the paperwork. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Really good tips. Uh, those are some must do's, things to consider what we should be doing. What are mistakes that you see often that entrepreneurs are making when it comes to taxes? So the first thing I think is that people don't engage some kind of accounting help early on. Now, everybody doesn't need like an all-in-one solution. Everybody doesn't need, you know, complete tax help. But I think even getting consulting to make sure that you're on the right track. If you can get the foundations right on the fir- on the front end, the back end is much easier than correcting it after the fact. That's what usually happens. People start off wrong and then they're scared. So they keep doing it wrong. And then by the time they come to somebody that can help them, it's like, oh, so we need to redo your past two years taxes in order to correct for this. So whether you need to take a course or watch a YouTube video or something that gives you kind of some baseline, even this podcast, get the free information and the low cost information to just make sure that your ducks are in a row. Mm -hmm. Then you can engage kind of one-on-one help as you need it. The other thing um, that is kind of going to contradict, but you just have to be careful, like you can't learn everything from Google and from your entrepreneur friends or from the LLC Instagram. That's Ooh. like, you need to do this. You put three cars in your business name and that's how you, that's not real. Okay, um, great. You, you want to have, <laughs> I love this, tell us everything. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think too, what ends up happening is If you hear that information, have somebody review your return and make sure that that's right. Even if you thought wrong to begin with, have somebody correct it before you submit it. Um, I think it's really easy because we have so much access to information to be like, you have 30,000 followers. You probably know what you're talking about. And that is not necessarily true. And so you just want to make sure before you sign your name off on something that you understand what the rule mm, is. Okay. Okay. Are there specific write-offs? You know, you mentioned the three cards, do like these crazy tax hacks that will likely get you in trouble in a lot of situations. Um, are yes. there specific <laughs> write-offs that actually do work, uh, particularly for those who might have a nine to five, you've got your, your day job, right? But then you've got the side hustle. Like, is that a gray area that's different than a full-time entrepreneur? No, that's a really good question. So if you work for yourself, whether it's part-time or full-time, you fill out the same form for the IRS and it's called a Schedule C. And the reason that I bring it up is because if you look it up, it's one of the easiest IRS forms to look at. It literally is like, how much did you make from the business? And then how much did you make in these specific categories? The reason that I say that is because the rule for the IRS in most states for deductible expenses is that it's ordinary and necessary to the business. That's the two rules it has to meet. Ordinary means that people in your peer group, in your industry, they're incurring the same types of expenses. If you are a circus performer and you get a trampoline, other people who are circus performers probably got trampolines. Mm -hmm. If you do hair, unless you got something special about your hair situation that uses trampolines, it's not (laughs) a deductible expense. So the the way that you're able to deduct things is partially dependent on what you do. Then necessary just means that it makes it easier to do your job. So um, I give the example that like Little Fish has a podcast, right? And so for that podcast, I had to buy a mic. Now that mic is not necessary for me to do accounting work, but it is necessary for me to provide that service. And so 
I would say that the majority of expenses that don't seem shady in your head mm-hmm. are probably deductible. Mm-hmm. Like the ones that you're like, yeah, I had to buy this software. I had to pay this contractor. That's probably going to yeah. be fine. The stuff that you have to be like, mm, I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. See if it meets that two tests. Is it ordinary? Would other people in your industry have the same types of things? And is it necessary? Do you need this to perform some part of your position? Oh, I love that. That's a really good touch point just to kind of wrap your brain around whether or not you should even try to write something off. So what you're telling me, what I'm hearing right now, Keila, is this MacBook that I need to buy, right? Because my podcast sessions keep shutting down in the middle of them because my stuff is so old. (laughs) You're telling me that I can buy that and that could potentially be a write-off since I do significant podcasting and editing and posting from said laptop. Yeah. And when you think about things like your laptop, your cell phone, those things that kind of split the difference between I use it for personal and I use it for business, use the percentage method. So if you get a new computer and you're like, it's 80% business, but 20% of the time I'm shopping Amazon Mm -hmm. and looking for clothes and stuff like that, then deduct 80% of it Mm -hmm. and know that the other 20% is just an L to you. Okay. So you can, I don't think I realized that actually, that you can deduct percentages. Okay. That's really good to know. Okay. Makes sense. Um, Because one thing to know is deductions are an option. You don't have to take deductions. So you can take all of it or you can say, "Eh, I'm just going to be conservative and take 50%. The IRS just wants to make sure you're not lying about the expense. So yeah, you can take less. Okay. Um, I'm like, I'll take more. Thanks. I'm going to try to squeeze out every single one. Um, uh, write-offs. Don't pay a dollar more than you have to. Ever, ever, ever. Uh, What are some of the common write-offs that uh, we may not be thinking about? Anything else? Like I know you mentioned the the phone, the laptops. I've heard of people even deducting literal space in their home. So like if they have an office space, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That you can take that square footage and and compute for like a portion of your mortgage or your rent. Is that true? Absolutely. And the home office deduction is one that a lot of people miss. And so because the IRS likes to rule things, the rule for your home office is that it is regularly and exclusively used. So regularly, that's where you normally do the job from exclusively, meaning you're not using it for anything else. So if you got a corner of a room that you only use for the business, cool. If you're using your dining room table and your family also eats off that table, you can't use that. Um, Some other ones that often go missing are like trainings, webinars, conferences that you attend to get better at the thing that you do. Books, magazines, other periodicals that come up that you use to get better at your job. You know, so what you've said is really interesting. It also makes us think about the fact that, you know, writing off all of this stuff may sound good, may feel good, may look good in the moment when you're taking these deductibles. But what do we need to keep in mind about what that says about our income? What if we're trying to buy a house in a year or two? When we're deducting, it's saying it's not income, right? Correct. And that's one thing that's really important to think of, especially for entrepreneurs, whether you're full-time or part-time, because what you are showing is your risk, right? So they want to see how able are you to pay back this loan, whether that's a car loan or a house loan or a personal loan. And a lot of times they'll use your tax returns to verify your income. So if you write everything off and you're like, I only owe, you know, $8 in taxes, Mm -hmm. you know, um, put into your tax return that I wrote everything off and now I only have to pay a couple of dollars in taxes, fine. But what you've just told all of these people that you want to apply for loans to is that you don't make any money. Mm. And so it's going to be very difficult for you to buy a home 
that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars when you just told the IRS that you make about $12 a year. So keep that in mind, especially if you know that that's something that's coming up for you, that that's a goal for you. Start creating your income or not creating, showing your income in a way that shows that you make money. It does mean that you're going to pay more in taxes, but again, you're not required to take these deductions. And if you pay those taxes, you can at least show that you're getting paid. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Key dates. What are the dates and deadlines that we need to remember that inevitably I will forget? I always forget. But I, I'm just April. April is the the one thing that just always sticks in my mind. Is that when the things are? Is that when the taxes are due? Keila, don't judge me. I'm I'm working yep. on on myself. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we're all doing the best we can. Uh, in terms of dates, your main one that most people are going to roll around is April fifteenth. COVID aside, that's normally when the first tax deadline hits. So the expectation is that you're going to get your taxes in and paid by April 15th of each year for the year's taxes before. Now, you'll often hear about an extension that you can file. So if you're not ready to file your taxes in April, you can file with basically an automatic six-month extension. The IRS says, okay, you're not ready now. We'll give you till October 15th. But then you really got to turn in your taxes. And is that one thing to note about that is it? Oh, sorry. I didn't mean that's free. Okay. It's free. That extension. Great. 
That's free. And you can do it if you don't have a tax preparer. You can do it through like an H&R block or one of those online systems. They'll do it for you. Okay. Okay. And what else were you about to say? One thing to note. Yeah, the extension is an extension to file, not an extension to pay. So you will not get penalized for filing by October 15th. But if you owed and you didn't pay anything from April to October, you can potentially get penalties and interest for the money that you end up paying when you finally do file. Oh, wait, hold on. You might have to run that one back for me one more time to fully process. So April 15th is when we're supposed to file. We can get a six month extension at no cost to us. We just have to make sure we file for that extension. But what do we need to be cognizant of in that six months again? Yeah. So there's two late penalties that you could be assessed. One is failure to file. So that means you didn't file by the deadline. Mm -hmm. If you file this extension, you don't have to worry about that penalty because they're like, we gave you till October. You're technically not late. Okay. The second is late payment. So what the IRS says is that regardless of when you thought you were going to file, we wanted our money by April 15th. Mm -hmm. and you didn't pay us until mm -hmm. October. But we're not going to charge you for filing your return late. That's cool. You're not actually late on that. But you didn't pay us on time. Uh, so I say that to say, even though you have an automatic six months, you want to file as soon as possible so that you're not paying on money that you owed them because the IRS is like, that money that you owed me in April, you pay me six months late. You're going to pay oh, so we're on that interest because we didn't get it on time. Got it. Got it. Okay. Oh, now I'm like, how much interest have I paid in all those damn extensions that I filed? Because Lord knows I love it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. That is very important to keep in mind. Okay. Um, I've been hearing a lot about a new law around cash app transactions, right? Like the, the, the Venmo's, the Zelle, the, the literal cash apps of the world. What can you tell us about this? What is that law exactly? So this was already happening for most payroll processors. When you're looking at like a PayPal or something like that, if you made over a certain amount, that processor, that payment processor would automatically send you a 1099. And I tell people that 1099s are basically snitch documents. They are documents to tell the IRS, she should report at least this much because I saw it come through my system. Mm -hmm. So when PayPal sends you a 1099, they're like, you're supposed to report everything. I, you better at least include this amount because mm -hmm. I saw it come through. So I know you got paid. Okay. Um, what they want to do is basically extend that. They're talking about, and I, I don't know as of today whether or not they've made the official change, but essentially they're doing the same thing with a Venmo, a Cash App, something like that to essentially say, if you get more than $600 of income, they'll send a 1099. Now, this is only for business transactions. This is not if you helped your friend pay for an event or gave somebody money to pay for rent or food or something like that. It's just for business. And again, it's just informational. You are required to report all of your income anyway. Mm -hmm. This is just the IRS's way of saying just because you got paid through Venmo for your business doesn't mean you have to claim it. Right. And um, that's something that I've been thinking about too. Like as I pay more and more people for services via these very casual apps, right? Oh, I'll just run you $500. Thanks for the like great job. Or, oh, you're doing this. Here's a thousand on Zelle or whatever it is. Do we, the consumers need to be cognizant too of, because <clears throat> you know, they'll have where you can mark, is this a business, like a service from a business or is it family and friends? And sometimes you'll get those business owners who are like, yeah, just check the family and friends box. Um, that way I don't got to pay a fee. And I'm like, Ooh, I mean, okay. But also 
Ooh, <laughs> like, is that, does that right. make us more liable? It kind of absolves them of responsibility if things go left too. Right. So we don't recommend it. Okay. So two things. The first thing is I bring this up every time I speak or talk to anybody. You need to raise your prices because mm-hmm. you should not be worried about that 2% fee. Mm-hmm. Just charge enough that you're going to get the money that you wanted to get at the end of it instead of trying to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. You don't get the protections because what you have just told PayPal or Venmo or whoever else is like, I know this person. Mm-hmm. So I'm not worried about you giving me insurance or something if something happens, as opposed to a business processing where you have some protections to say if something does go left, will help you take care of it. Um, But a lot of times we are underpricing ourselves and then we're like, ooh, I charge you 500 and I'm only going to get 490. It's like, then you need to charge 510 or 525 or whatever it costs to cover that charge so that that's not a thing that you have to worry about and you can stay on the level for all the transactions that you're doing. Got it. Okay. Those are really important uh, things to remember. That new law, is that already in effect with the, the, the cash app services and the 600 or more for businesses? As far as the last thing I've seen, no, it's part of like a bill that they're still kind of playing with. It's probably part of the like big bill that Congress is working through. Yeah. Um, but as far as I know, they're still probably going to start sending you 1099s for that amount. It's just a matter of what the threshold will be to determine when you get one. Okay, got it. And um, you mentioned 1099. You called it the snitch doc, 100%. Anytime I get a 1099, I'm going to Damn, 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 they found me. All right, fine. Let's go over. <laughs> um, just for you know the folks listening at home who might not totally know the difference just break down really quickly for us the difference between a w2 which it seems most people have and are familiar with who are employed and a 1099 are there any other of those docs that are as significant when it comes to reporting income nope those are going to be your main two and the main difference is whether you're an employee or a contractor so if you're an employee and they're taking payroll taxes out of your check every time you get paid you're going to get a W-2 because that document needs to show I made this much. I already paid y'all some taxes um, out of my check so that I can put those on my return. And we can talk about in a bit kind of what your tax return tells you because mm-hmm. I think people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a 1099 didn't take any taxes out. So the reason I call it a snitch document is it basically just tells the IRS, I pay her a thousand dollars. Right. Um, just look for that on her return because <laughs> I know I paid her that. Much. Right, right. Um, but it doesn't have any taxes taken out. It's just income. And then that's what you're deducting expenses against. Whereas for a W-2, you can't have deductible expenses. Okay. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and break that down. You talked about the tax return and what we see, what we understand, what we don't. When do we get our tax return in the mail? When do we look out for that? And what is on it? And why should we care? Yeah. So really quick overview of a tax return is that all throughout the year you're getting paid, right? So either you're getting a W-2 or you're a freelancer and people are paying you and you're just gathering money and you are paying some kind of taxes. So if you're a W-2, you're getting it taken out of your check. If you're a freelancer, you should be making quarterly tax payments. All of this is estimates. You're just kind of guessing how much you think you're going to owe throughout the year. Then we get time to get to your tax return. You put all your stuff in and you have a line that's like, this is how much I made for my W-2 job. And then you have a line that's like, this is how much I made for my business after we accounted for expenses. But all gets added up. And then we have a number that's essentially your taxable income. The tax system and the IRS does its magic and says, boom, based on what you put in here, you should have paid, for this example, $10,000 in taxes. 
The next line says, oh, but I had already gave y'all some. Remember, you took 7000 out of my check throughout the year, and I gave you some estimated taxes throughout the year, too. And what you're doing is truing up. If you paid over the $10,000 that they say that you owe, you get a refund. If you paid under, you have to pay money back. So I like to explain that because I think a lot of people think it's like this magic system of I have no idea how much I'm going to owe, but really you're going to owe what you owe anyway. It's just a matter of, did you pay it in advance Mm -hmm. or do you have to pay it when you file your return? Mm -hmm. So the main things that you want to pay attention to are your W-2 income, the amount that you got in total income, whether you got a 1099 or not, um, and then your expenses. When we talk about quarterly estimates, what you're doing is throughout the year at the specified deadlines, you're sending the IRS some money. Hey, here's $2,000 because I think that's how much I might owe you, which again, that and what's coming out of your W-2, all estimates. You're just trying to get as close as possible so that you're not surprised at tax time with a sudden tax bill because you didn't pay enough throughout the year. Is there any incentive to paying ahead of time to really staying up on those quarterly payments? Or if you're willing to just brace for impact and be surprised with some crazy ballpark at the end of the year or the middle of the year, then say la vie? Or do you really recommend people stay on top of it? I really recommend one. There's a penalty. I will say it's a very small penalty. It's usually not going to change people's behavior. Mm -hmm. But two, especially when you're running a business or when you're in the side hustle, you're trying to figure out, like, can I quit my full time job and how much can I afford to hire somebody else? You can't manage that if you thought that money was yours. And then come April, the IRS is like, so if you could just run me that $10,000 that you thought was savings, Mm -hmm. I need all of that in taxes. And so if you're paying quarterly throughout the year, you can make more strategic decisions about what you're doing with your business in a way that you can't if you're surprised every April. Okay. Got it. Um, Before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit about people who are stepping into this space for the first time from a business perspective, from like a small business perspective, independent contractors. You know, everyone's talking about the great resignation. The pandemic certainly prompted that, right? People were like, yeah, I'm not coming back. I quit. And we're realizing that um, we want our time. And if we're going to be giving of our time, it should be something that we're passionate about and excited about. So, so many people are walking away from their jobs to start their own businesses. So what are three just sort of big picture pieces of advice that you would have for a new entrepreneur? Yeah, absolutely. The first thing is track everything. People lose so much in deductible expenses because they're not tracking how much they spend. I don't care what account it came out of, at least at first, if you spent it on the business, make sure that you track it somewhere so that you can use that on your taxes. The second thing is open a business bank account. A lot of um, very new small business owners will say, oh, well, my business isn't like a real business yet. So mm-hmm. I don't think I need, you want to separate that out now. That way, you know, is the business sustainable? Is it profitable or is it only making money because I keep taking what I used out of my W-2 check mm-hmm. and putting it towards that business? So open a business bank account so that you can see all of that separate. And then three, decide on um, an accounting system. Once you do that, you can combine the first two. Now you're able to connect your business bank account, track everything that's going through, and then you know whether you need help throughout the year. In June or July, that might be a time where you're like, I should just talk to an accountant to make sure I'm on the right track. Mm -hmm. But you can ask better questions when you already know where your numbers stand. Okay, got it. And any final words of wisdom in this tax journey of ours? (laughs) Anything to keep in mind? Yeah, I mean, it's, 
it does feel really complicated and there's a lot of baggage around money, but you can make things easier for yourself by just like keeping on top of it. I know it can be much easier to just kind of put your head in the sand and say, I'm not, I'll worry about this when the time comes, but it'll cause you a lot of heartache and potential penalties if you just don't stay on top of it throughout the year like you should. And Get help when you need it. Um, as business owners, especially as new business owners, we tend to wear like 50 hats. And to the extent that you don't have to do that because you can delegate taxes off of your list, absolutely take advantage. Okay. If people want to reach out to you, if they maybe want to pro- procure your services with Little Fish Accounting, um, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find out all about our business and our services at littlefishaccounting.com. We have a service called the Tax Prep Suite, which goes beyond your annual taxes to really support you throughout the year. And we love supporting small businesses in that way so that you don't have to think about your quarterly taxes and tax planning and stuff like that. And then we have a podcast called Fish Food that comes back in January and a monthly newsletter to keep you in the loop on stuff you should be aware of throughout the year. Awesome. I love it. Keela, thank you so much for all the wisdom. I'm going to try to stay out of my Wesley Snipes energy. You know, I'm going to just take all these tips and (laughs) stay on top of it. Let me get on these deadlines. Um, But these are really, really great things to think about, whether you're an entrepreneur, an individual filing. And you're so right. I love what you said about sticking your head in the sand because so many of us do that. And inevitably, we always know we'll regret it. Like it doesn't get better. It's not going to fix it. Itself, <laughs> just rip the bandaid off and and get into it. No, very much so. Glad to be able to share. Excited for you know all the new business owners out there because I know it's an exciting and a scary time. But you got this. You have support, and there are just ways to make it easier for yourself so it doesn't have to feel so scary. Awesome. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. See, this is why I went to school for communication because I just can't. I don't, I'm still processing. It's a lot. Uh, but there were definitely some things that I need to sit with after that conversation with Keila because who knew? New laws, these cash app services, the write-offs that I didn't realize existed. Like I did not even know that some of these write-offs existed. So I'm just trying to like go back and claim for past years because I feel like I left some money on the table. Um, but really great stuff, right? Thank you so much to Keila for joining me on today's podcast and sharing so many tips. I low-key felt like we got a free consultation. So it is appreciated. I hope now you're feeling a little more prepared for tax season so you don't get caught slipping. And if you feel like you need a little bit more help, hit up Keela, slide in the DMs, reach out on her website, Little Fish Accounting, and then also check out the software and the resources she mentioned, like QuickBooks, if you feel like you do want to give it a go. Uh, solo, H&R Block, all that jazz. Okay. Uh, more episodes coming every Monday. So feel free to head over to hothappymess.com and you can leave me a voice recording. It could be a review of the show. It could be a question for the Ask Zuri segment or just to say what's up. And who knows, you might hear yourself on a future episode. And by the way, if you are loving what you're hearing, leave us a quick review. Here's one from an amazing listener at Still Rising 788 They say, amazing. I should have started this podcast sooner. I've laughed, cried, and even cringed because every topic has been so relatable. Thank you for all your amazing and thoughtful content, Zuri. Thank you, Still Rising. I don't know why hearing that you cringed is like the most exciting thing for me. Like, I don't know why I'm wearing that as a badge of honor. I would love to know what you cringed about, but girl, we'll be cringing over here. Um, I love it. Thank you so much for leaving the review. If you guys want to support the podcast, a quick five-star review and a couple of sweet sentences about what you love most is the easiest, fastest, and completely free way to show some love. Okay. So just 
go to iTunes, uh, go to Apple Podcasts, type in Hot Happy Mess, um, scroll down, hit our podcast, and then leave a quick review, okay? Thank you. Love you. Share this episode with a friend. And follow me on Instagram in the meantime. And <laughs> real at Hot Happy Mess. I'll see you next Monday. Bye. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.